confessions of an obese child. Hey everybody, this is A. Gregory Luna. Of course you can call me Gregory and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. I hope you're doing well in this October month. I hope wherever you live it is cooling down. We got a little tease down here in South Texas about two weeks ago where the, the high got to about 80 degrees and we're like, yes, it's cold. And then it warmed up again. I lost it did. But it looks like a cold front's about to come in. So October is arguably my favorite month. And I've I've espoused this belief that the best time of the year is from October to January 1st because you have all the holidays, you have the football uh, season, and it's just the anticipation of colder weather and the holidays. And then conversely, the worst time of the year, at least in my opinion, is January to March because it's still cold, it's still dark, but then you have nothing to look forward to at all. Plus, you're getting all the bills from overspending. And and January is actually the month where you see the most divorces, the most fights, the most spousal abuse reports. It's a tough time unless you live in Hawaii or South Florida or wherever like that. But that's just my opinion on the seasons. So uh, I wanted to talk about my palate. Now, I, for at least 15 years, have noticed that food all tastes the same to me. And if you ask any of my friends, if you ask any of my loved ones, if you ask Kate, uh, when I go out to eat or go somewhere to, to eat, I cannot tell if uh, a certain food is good or bad. So, for example, let's say I go to a Mexican restaurant and I have their beans or if I have their rice or their enchiladas or whatever, and somebody asks me if it's good, I'll be like, I, I don't know. It's, it's okay. Or like if I drink some wine, uh, for example, it all tastes the same. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying necessarily like a Merlot is going to taste like a, a Zinfandel because even I, even I, who's a, a kind of ignorant on wines, can know that there's a difference there. But let's say you put three Merlots in front of me and one is like the cheapest, crappiest one and one's a mid-level and one's a high-end and I drink it. I honestly, they all taste the same. And so I was wondering, it's like, is this a result of my years of binge eating and just my years of obesity, that somehow it's affected my taste buds, either somehow physiologically on my tongue or somehow the way taste is registered in my brain. Because I think this is bizarre because when I tell people, I mean, of course, if the food is rancid, I'm going to know if food is rancid, right? But in general, like if I'm having a steak, if I'm having uh, hummus, peanut butter, any, I mean, anything anything. It all tastes the same. And so I have this kind of mentality when I go to restaurants. It's like, why am I going to go to a place that it's a $30 entree if I can get exactly the same results for a $10 entree? Because to me, they all taste the same. It all tastes the same. It's like my taste buds have been muted out and blasted away. And so I kind of live in just this weird world where everything is bland. It's just bland, 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 bland. So I thought about when I was ruminating over what topic we should talk about in Confessions of an Obese Child. And this is one of those obscure ones. I was like, maybe it's just me. Maybe I was just, I never had very acute taste buds. Or maybe there's something going on with it. So I did the, the, quintessential what we like to call research you know every time you hear somebody on the internet like i researched this topic or i you know it, it and i guess people want you to think like we, we, we you go to the library like in the old days or you go into the the archives back when i was getting my my phd in history 
you had to go to the to the archives, the old dusty library area where they have the the primary source material, or the or the material that was written by the actual people in the 16th, 17th century. So you do to do your legit research to write a book that's not based on secondary sources, which are sources for, like books, books that people have written using the primary sources. Anyway, so nowadays when we say research, we really know that just means Googling stuff on the internet, right? So I Googled, because I did my research, uh, palate. Does eating disorders affect the palate? And believe it or not, I actually found some articles uh, about it. And I found one from Medical Daily. It says, obese and anorexic people taste food differently. How eating disorders affect your brain and taste buds. And so I was like, interesting. So I, I just want to read a couple of these sentences here. And it says, eating disorders that impact your weight, like anorexia or binge eating or obesity, may also change the way you taste your food, according to a new study out of the University of Colorado. And it said, taste may have a greater effect on our diets than we realize. Binge eaters or obese people tend to have brains wired like addicts for food. Amen. We all know that. And they need to eat more in order to feel satiated or to fully experience taste in a pleasurable way. People who suffer from anorexia, meanwhile, have been shown to have difficulty experiencing the pleasure associated with food. This makes them more likely to avoid enjoyable foods like burgers and ice cream, finding them repulsive rather than rewarding. Both conditions are unhealthy and are caused by changes to hormones and neurons within the insular cortex or insula part of the brain that deals with emotion, perception, motor control, and self-awareness. So it doesn't have necessarily to do with the taste buds. It has to do with how the food is registered. So Dr. Guido Frank, man, he must have been an Italian, Guido, says, quote, taste is an important driver of food intake and invariably associated with distinct neuronal or neuron patterns in the insula, the brain's primary taste cortex. If you can't differentiate between tastes, according to Dr. Guido Frank, that can impact how much you eat. And that also activates or not activates brain reward circuits. Close quote. And so the article talks about how they gave certain amount of foods or certain uh, very sweet foods, certain subtle foods to people and, and who had a, a variety of different eating disorders and how it affected them. So the, the article continues, as more research will need to be done in order to determine the exact mechanisms behind the association. But for now, the researchers hope that their results will provide some insight into treating eating disorders. For example, if people with anorexia are far more sensitive to taste in a way that makes food a negative experience for them, scientists could work on adjusting flavor intensity by reducing it for those with anorexia, enhancing it for those who are obese. So the article mentions how people who are overweight have lost the ability to taste. They've lost the ability to taste. It says obese people tend to have a lower sensitivity to leptin, which is the satiety hormone. Differences in taste could also be caused by structural change or impaired pathways in the insula. So it's not like I can't taste the excitotoxins that are in Doritos because I can certainly taste that. And we've talked about how food scientists, and this might be more of what I've talked about in Naturopathic Earth Radio or MPE Radio, which is my other podcast, for those of you who don't know, that food scientists try to find this ideal ratio between food, between fat, salt, and sugar. And they call that the bliss point when they can get all three of those in a perfect combination. Because there are a lot of foods that you don't really think about that are salty that actually have some sweetness. Uh, for example, hot dogs, you know, they put a little sugar in hot dogs. They put a little sugar in Spam, even though that's salty. They put a, pretty much a little sugar in everything, even in salty foods like, like, um, like deli meats. 
because they're trying to find this bliss point. So when I eat a Cheeto, for example, I can definitely taste the Cheeto. So it's not an issue of being able to taste how sweet something is or how salty something is. When I talk about my palate being dulled, I cannot differentiate between something that is high quality and something that is a low quality. It all tastes the same, which is bland. So it's either like a bland salty food or a bland sweet food or a bland cheesy food. So in essence, I've lost the ability to enjoy food. I don't enjoy food. Now, I, I can enjoy it in that binge eating kind of way where you're all stressed out and you're emotional and you just start shoving food down your throat and you get that release and that five-minute reprieve from whatever you're dealing with where you feel good until your stomach hurts and then you feel bad and then you have the shame and then you rinse, lather, repeat, right? We've talked about that in all these episodes. But I'm just talking about the subtleness of food I don't taste, I don't taste. So going back to the wine, like lots of times when you go to a restaurant, like on a date or whatever, that you ask for a bottle of wine and they'll have you, they'll, they'll give you like a little sample of it to, so you can drink it and give the green light if whether or not it's good. So like, I don't even do that because I, I could fake it. And I, I'm wondering if a lot of people fake it when they drink the wine because, or maybe they don't. And I'm just, my palate's been so blown out. I couldn't even tell if something is good or not. So when I, when I go to a place, I get my mom or I get someone else to try it because I'm just going to lie and be like, it's a good wine. I don't know if it's a good wine. It all tastes the same to me. It all tastes the same to me. So it's extremely frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. All right. So let's talk about some foods that I do eat where I can still feel something. Okay, we are back from that 80s synth pop, which I love so much. So what foods can I eat where I still feel like I'm alive? Because the typical American foods like barbecue and burgers and pizza and all that is just bland, 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 bland. So one of the reasons I I love ethnic food is because I can still taste that stuff. So Thai food like curries or even pad thai, thai noodles or some variety of pad thai, but definitely the curries, anything with turmeric, I can, I can still taste that. That's, I think, one of the reasons, aside from the biohack you get from eating uh, turmeric, that I sprinkle turmeric on all my foods, like on my eggs, for example, because it brings some taste. Indian food, another one. Give me the spice. I love the spice. High spice. High spice. And when I'm eating a curry, either Indian or Thai or any South Asian, because I'm sure probably, um, I don't know, Myanmar has their own curry or Pakistan or Sri Lanka. It's so hot, but it makes me feel alive. I can actually, I can taste the, the, the spiciness or the heatness of it, but not necessarily maybe the taste of the actual food, which is hard to explain. But I, I feel like my taste buds are actually like, oh my God, this is so good. This is so hot. I feel alive. It's like when you walk out on a cold morning, especially after it's been warm, like a cold front came in and you just breathe in that cold, crisp air and you just feel alive. Well, on the ethnic foods, that's how I feel. So also Middle Eastern food, not so much a Middle Eastern because they don't, they don't use those strong curries. But for example, anything with garlic, like garlic aioli sauce, garlic makes me, wakens my taste buds or wakens whatever, the insula part of my brain. So I notice that like I, 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 I gravitate toward these Asian cuisines because they're so strong. 
and I can actually appreciate the taste. Now, going back to like peppers and jalapenos and you know, hot spicy Cheetos or flaming hot Cheetos, I don't feel that at all. I don't feel that at all. So I don't, I, I can't eat a lot of what we would perceive to be salsa picante, hot, like American peppers, Mexican food peppers. It's really reserved to the curries and all that. So when I do eat out, I try to eat the spicy foods because, again, it's the only time it wakes up my palate. So I've mentioned in the in the orthorexic episode where I pretty much eat the same meals every day. Like for lunch at school, I eat the blueberries and the nuts and the and the dark chocolate. And I think one of the reasons, aside from it's just easy and it's snack foods, is because I, I think it's like, what's the point of making something elaborate that I can't taste? It all tastes like mush. So one of the reasons I think I like dark chocolate is because dark chocolate is so bitter because of the cacao and I can eat them like, wow, this is very earthy. But with all the other foods, it's like I might as well just shove some food in for nourishment. And that, that's how it is. So please, I would love to hear from you on this. I've gotten such great feedback uh, with other issues with binge eating and just growing up overweight. But I, I'm just curious to see if anyone else who has a history of either having any disorders or growing up overweight or is currently obese, if they have this issue where all food is bland, all food tastes the same, and you're just kind of living in this syrupy molasses world of of culinary arts where it's just like blandville all the time. I don't want to feel like I'm alone. Apparently, there's articles that vindicate how I feel, but I've never met anybody. So when I tell people how food all tastes the same and it's bland or I can't appreciate a good Merlot from a crap Merlot, um, they don't they don't get it. They don't understand, and I, I can't blame them for not understanding, but I don't get it either. So it's extremely frustrating. I feel like obesity took another part of me, which I'll be, it is very subtle. You know, losing the ability to taste really good food is not nearly as bad as some of the things that could be taken from you, no doubt. But I just feel like connected to the all the, all the other things we've talked about in this series, uh, it's just like another reminder. And, and I see it day in, day out, guys. Like It's just how growing up obese really effed me up on a lot of ways. And if you go back to Food is My Mistress, which was an episode about four or five episodes previous, I think that one really epitomizes how it affects my relationships. Because if you throw in uh, my obsession was my obsession with food, my obsession with orthorexia, my vestige of binge eating, my excessive uh, preoccupation with exercise and routine and the walks and eating at the right time of the day and ending my eating at the right time of the day, you can see why it's very difficult to live with somebody like me who's so neurotic. So it's, it's extremely frustrating. But I just wanted to share this story about my palate. Please let me know if any of you else, any of, it, any of you feel this way as well. As always, guys, Find me on Twitter. I'm at Naturopath Earth. Find me on Facebook. Post a review for confessions. That would be great. I would love that. And of course, listen to the sister podcasts of Kate's Apothecary, where she's doing her essential oil reviews. And also she's doing a series called Mindfulness Monday, where every Monday she posts a little 10-minute episode on some element of mindfulness. And of course, Naturopathic Earth Radio which is the flagship podcast. I recently released an episode about high-dose vitamin C being a panacea for cancer and heart disease. And there's other great episodes there as well. So check those out. Until next time, guys, in early November, around Dia de los Muertos, I will see you then. Have a great Halloween. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Make sure to visit us at www.naturopathicearth.com 
for additional confessions, wellness articles, recipes, and a whole lot more. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Naturopath Earth. See you next time.